We are in the middle of a three-week series on Amos. Anybody go home and read Amos last week? One person, two people, three? Oh, you're killing me. It's nine chapters, and they're all real short. Amos, one of the minor prophets, one of the guys in the back of the Old Testament who doesn't get much press. So every so often we do a quest, and we go back to an Old Testament book, and we look at the Old Testament book in kind of a, a magnified way, and we started on Amos last week, and we will continue this week. Um, Amos was a, uh, an ordinary guy that was called by God to do an extraordinary thing, and it was to speak out against his people to speak out against the most powerful and elite of his society. Regardless of what was going to happen to him, he was called into a tough situation, and he answered that call. Chapter 4. Well, no, uh, before I get into chapter 4. You can turn to chapter 4 if you want to. I have to tell you, did anybody watch the Spurs last night? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anybody think they gave up like around the third quarter? They said, eh. Yeah, we've already had discussions about that this morning. Um, yeah, they kind of gave up around the third quarter and just kind of went through the motions, turned off the gas, would take a shot. If they made it, great. If they didn't, eh, we're still the Spurs. We don't really care because we'll beat you in the end. But they just kind of went through the motions. you know. And I was thinking, and, and <laughs> kind of a good example, the reason I jumped into Chapter 4 before I started what I was supposed to say is because I had a similar experience the Spurs did last night. I was at a wedding out of town. I drove out uh, to this ranch and did a wedding. Um, and, it, you know, it was raining. The wedding was supposed to be outside. Bad move. So they moved it inside. It was just kind of a, whoo, it was just utter chaos trying to get things together um, out there and, and get the wedding done. The wedding turned out to be beautiful. The bride was great. The groom was nervous. It was just perfect. Um, and I got home uh, late last night. This morning I wake up, and typically my Sunday morning routine is I wake up about 7.15. I take a shower. I pray with my wife. I say goodbye. I come to church. I go and I pray in my office, and I do some. Uh, I look back over what's going to happen today. And then I go in, I pray with the pastors, and then I come down here. I rolled in here about, I don't know, John, was it like 8.35 something? Yeah, my, a little later that, my, my alarm went off, and I did one. Of the, have you ever done this? Oh, I'm going to get up off. You don't hit the snooze, you just hit the off, and you're like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm awake. Yeah, I did that this morning. Um, and, you know, my wife was no help to me, didn't do anything. And, and so, and then at, you know, like 8, 10, I think my eyes went open. I looked at the clock, went, wow, got up, took a shower, ran over here. So my whole routine was thrown off. And, you know, kind of this morning, I started out by phoning in this service. You know, if you're, kind of like the Spurs did last night at the start, of the, at the middle of the third quarter, they were phoning in the game. I'm just going to go on autopilot. I know what I can do. I know the gifts that God's given, given me. I know my limits. I know these things. So I'm just going to cruise right through the day. Have you ever done that? Just like phoned it in? I don't know. It could be anything. It could be your job. You just show up at the time you're supposed to show up. You do the things that you're supposed to do. You don't put any real effort into it. You just go through the motions. Or maybe you do that with a relationship from time to time. You just phone it in. You're not really paying attention. You're not really into it. You're just going through the motions. Have you ever done that? 
Yeah, I think we all do that from time to time. I think we all do that in different areas of our life from time to time, especially those areas where we feel most comfortable, especially those areas where we feel like we've got it together the most. Those are the ones that we have the tendency to phone it in on. The people of Israel had a big problem of phoning it in. They had a really big problem. And in chapter 4, Amos calls them out on it. Verse 1, listen to me, you fat cows. I love that. It's the only way in the entire text that somebody is insulted perfectly like that. Listen to me, you fat cows of Samaria. Only Amos could get away with that, apparently. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and who are always asking your husbands for another drink. The sovereign Lord has sworn this by his holiness. The time will come when you will be led away with hooks in your noses. Every last one of you will be dragged away like a fish on a hook. You will leave by going straight through the breaks in the wall. You will be thrown from your fortresses. I, the Lord, have spoken. Go ahead and offer your sacrifices, this is verse 4, to the idols at Bethel and Gilgal. Keep on disobeying. Your sins are mounting up. Offer sacrifices each morning and bring your tithes every three years. Present your bread made with yeast as an offering of thanksgiving. Then give your extra voluntary offerings so you can brag about it everywhere. This is the kind of thing you Israelites love to do, says the sovereign Lord. They're phoning it in right here. Do you get that? I mean, God's saying, go ahead and go to the temples and make the sacrifices and bring your tithes and do all those things because I know you're not really in it. You're just going through the motions. You know the things you're doing are wrong, and what do you do about it? You go to church. You go to church. You go through the motions. You sing the songs. You say the prayers. You read the scriptures. But you're not in it. These are the things you Israelites love to do, he says. These are the things you love to do, but you're not in it. You're not a part of it. You've separated yourself. you separated your heart from it. You maybe have a head knowledge, but you don't have that heart knowledge. You don't have that relationship. All you're doing is you're coming and you're sitting in the temple and you're doing the things that have been done for generations because that's what you're supposed to do. Not because that's what you feel you need to do. Not because that's what you love to do. Not because you have a relationship with God. You're just going through the motions. It's interesting how this works out in the lives of all of us, in the lives of people who attend church, how we can fall into a trap, a trap of going through the motions. A lot of people say that you can only do that down the hall in the sanctuary where you come in and you sit and you stand and you sit and you stand and you go through the liturgy and you say the right things at the right time. And I'm sure a lot of you like me know the liturgy and don't even have to get the little hymnal out to open it up and you can just go through it. You go through the motions. You can do that in here too. Even though we try to do different stuff and from time to time we throw curveballs at you. But in here you can go through the motions. You can come in at the same time you always do. The service starts at 9.30, you walk in about 9.40. Yeah, we know it. When I sit down, there's like five of you out there. Then I get up here, there's all of you. You come in, you stand up, you sing the songs. When Ben or Daryl or August or whoever is praying, you bow your head. And then we say, you may take a seat, you take a seat. Then I get up here and you listen for a little bit, kind of. Maybe thinking about where you're going to lunch. Maybe thinking about what you're going to do the rest of the day. Waiting for me to say something I shouldn't. 
Then you'll start listening again. What did you say? People laugh. What, what, what was that? Then you get up. You say hi to the people you know. Put your chair up. Well, y'all are 930. You don't do that. And you go home. And, and that's it. It stops right there. You come in. You go through the motions. And it stops right there. Once you hit the door back there, it's done. All right. Check. Got my God quotient for the week. We all have a tendency sometimes to fall into this trap. If we just go through the motions, we'll have our relationship with God right. If we just do this, we're okay with God. If we just do this, we're okay with God. If we just do this. Man, you, you've got to think that that hurts God, don't you? I mean, look at what God did for us. Came here on earth, had nails driven through his body, died, rose again from the dead. So that we'd go through the motions. I don't think so. And I'm not, again, I told you last week, if you weren't here, I said this was a very condemning book for me personally. And maybe it has nothing to do with you and all me. And thanks for joining me on this walk these three weeks. Because I have these moments where I go through these motions, the seasons of my life sometimes where I fall into a pattern and a trap where I'm just going through the motions with God. And consequently, I'm missing God. I'm missing that relationship. I'm missing that powerful moment when God can move in me because I'm just going through the motions. I'm just checking the boxes. Did I go to worship this week? Yep. Did I pray this week? Yep. Did I read scripture this week? Yep. Sometimes we fall into these traps. And we start spiraling, twisting. That's easier to say. And we miss God. And the people of Israel were thinking all we have to do is go through the motions and everything will be okay. All we have to do is go and do our tithes, go and do our offerings, go and do our sacrifices, and it's going to be fine. God's like, no. I don't want you to just go through the motions. I want you to be a part of me. I want you to come and be a part of me. Amos goes on to say, these are the things I've done. I've done all these things to you. I've made it rain in one field and not in another. The crops have withered. You've been searching for water and you can't get enough to drink. I've sent out people, uh, your, your soldiers, and they've come back. Well, they've been slaughtered. They haven't come back. And yet all the while, you're just going through the motions. You don't get it. You're not connecting. Chapter 5. Amos is speaking. He says, listen, you people of Israel, listen to this funeral song. I, Amos, am singing. The virgin Israel has fallen, never to rise again. She lies forsaken on the ground with none to raise her. The sovereign Lord says, when one of, you, when one of your cities sends a thousand men to battle, only a hundred will return. When a, when a town sends a hundred, only ten will come back alive. Now, this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Here's the thing. Come back to me and live. Come back to me and live. Don't go to worship the eyes of Bethel, Gilgal, or Beersheba. For the people of Gilgal will be dragged off into exile, and the people of Bethel will come to nothing. Verse 6, come back to the Lord and live. The people lost the relationship. They lost the thing that was most important to God is relationship. Why do you think God came here on earth? To be with us in person. 
they lost their relationship. And he's crying out to them, just come back to me. Not to my church buildings, not to my temples, but to me. I am not walls. I am. I am the body of Christ made up of every believer inside. I am the people of God. I am the people that you should be in relationship. I am the one who wants more than anything else to be in relationship with you. So stop going through the motions and come back to me. You're hurting, then come back to me. You're struggling, then come back to me. Stop taking it up here and bring it back down here. You know, we in the Western world have a very big tendency to live our lives in our heads. Always wanting to analyze things. Always wanting to know the reason behind things. And sometimes God wants us to put our brains aside and say, just believe. Just accept it. Just rest in my presence and let me come on you and just, just get it down here. But we always want to bring it up. And say, well, I was taught from a very young age that we have to go to church and we have to do these things and we have to do this thing. I have to look this way to go to church and I have to say this prayer and this is the way I have to pray and this is the way I have to sing and this is the way I have to read the scripture. And God forbid you read anything other than the King James Bible. (sighs) If you read the King James and you enjoy that and meet God, they're good for you. We fall into these traps where we think that this is the only way we can reach God and we block off so much of what God is. We block off so much of what God wants to show us when we just go through the motions. One of my pursuits in in my own life is to experience God in different ways. I know that God can move through Ben and Rachel and then the music that they play. I know that God can move through the organ and the beautiful music that comes from down, down the hall. I've seen God in nature more times than probably anywhere else. That's where I really experience God is through the beauty of his creation. I've seen God in art, art that some people would look at and go, I can't believe that's hanging on a wall somewhere. I've seen God in people's faces and actions. I've seen God in different places, and I love to see God in new places. I love to just experience God somewhere where I thought he wouldn't be. Have you ever done that? You're, you're like going somewhere and, and you have no, you're, you're not intending to be with God. You're not intending to, I'm going in here to, you know, meet my creator. No, you're just like walking into a store and all of a sudden you have one of those moments where you know God is there. Have you ever experienced that? Man, if you haven't, I hope you do sometime because it's awesome. You just walk into a moment and you just know that God's there. Oh, it's, it's, an, it's such an incredible feeling. He's always with you. But when he reveals you, when he reveals himself to you in a way that you're not expecting, it's such a joy to experience that. I got to tell you, though, there are many times when I block myself off from that. I'm sure there are times when I walk into a room and God's in the corner going, Woo, my God, I'm over here. But I'm walking in and I have my thing and I'm going through the motions. And I've closed myself off to him because I've put it up here. And I know as soon as I walk out of the room, it's like, ah, I want to show you something cool. I'm sure Moses is sitting up in heaven going, oh, that's a crazy kid. But why do we do it? 
Why do we go through the motions? Now, the problem was they were too focused on the religion and not the relationship. They were so, they were making the, you know, the Methodism so much more important than the relationship with God. Well, I'm a Methodist and this is what a Methodist does. I'm an Episcopalian. I, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. So I have to do these things in order to meet God. No. When you depend on the religion more than you do God, you've missed it. When you depend on the church more than you do God, you've missed it. I've said this time and time again to people. I don't care if you're a Methodist. I don't care if you come to my church. I don't care what church you go to. Go somewhere where you meet God. My goal in this room is not to fill these seats necessarily. It's to get people who are here to meet God. It's to allow God to move in this room so that people can move in their walk in the relationship with him. If we fill this room up ten times over, outstanding, bless God for that. But if just a handful of us move closer to God on our walk and start spreading his word and get other people into relationships with God outside of this church, awesome. That's awesome too. If we just stop going through the motions and start living our lives with God and start spreading his love and his word everywhere we go. That's what it's all about. That's what these fat cows forgot. You see, they had so much. They had had everything they wanted. They had all the food. They had all the drink they needed. They had two homes, it says a little bit earlier in uh, verse in chapter 3, it talks about their vacation homes that they had. They were riding high in Israel at the time, and the elite were elite. They had it all. Because of that, they lost the need for the relationship with God. You know, the fastest part of the world that is growing for Christianity and that people are coming to Christ is in third world countries. If you look at any third world country right now, not any of them, but most of the third world countries, Christianity is spreading so fast and so real and so incredibly. Why? Because they need them. Because they're lost and desperate and they need him. Whereas we fall into this trap of, you know, I don't need really anything. I have a house. Got a job, got food, got a car, got a good life going, got everything in order so I can just put it on cruise control. Of course, one of these days that wave's going to come and rock your boat, bring you to your knees. And I hope you haven't traveled so far away from that relationship that you don't know how to get back. I hope you haven't gone through the motions for so long and distanced yourself so much from your heart relationship with Christ that you can't get back to him. Because it seems like that's what these people were doing. When all God was saying is come back to me and live. You think you're living right now, but you're not. Come back to me and live. If you come here on a regular basis, Sunday mornings, and you worship with us, 
Praise God for you. I pray that each time you come into this room, you're not coming to go through the motions. You're not coming just to socialize. And you're not coming to hear some goofy guy get up and try to make people laugh every now and then. But you're coming to meet God. But you're coming to experience God in a new way. I tell you, there are days when I stand up here and I'm singing with the worship team that it just hits me sometimes. And I'm humbled by the presence of God. And I look up to his face up there on that cross and I'm just like, God, you rock. Thank you for meeting me right now. And I'm not worried about what I'm going to say. And I'm not going through my little bullet points in my own mind. And I'm not, because that's what I do some Sundays is I sit up there and I can sing the songs without thinking about the songs. And I can go through the motions of worship without actually worshiping because I have a job to do. And I'm too focused on that. But then there are those Sundays when I'm down there in the front row and I'm allowing God to move in me. I'm I'm, I'm getting one of those moments where God just blows me over and I don't worry about what I'm going to say. And I get up here and I just let it go. And it's on those Sundays, I don't know what happens to y'all, but for me, those Sundays are the most powerful to me. When I leave my mind and take it to my heart. My challenge is, if you are, stop going through the motions. If you're doing it, stop it. Come back to me, says God, and live. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God that you are, for being a God who loves us and cares for us so deeply and passionately that you are willing to give your life for us, that you are willing to give up everything for us. Help us, Father, in those moments that we begin to go through the motions and those moments that we begin to pull ourselves away from that relationship that you crave, help us to set that aside and to come back to you and live. Help us, Father, to begin our relationship anew today. In Jesus' name, amen.